everybody, welcome back to Riffs and Scripts. This week, Riffs and Scripts. This week, we're going to be talking about day jobs. If you work in a creative industry, you've got to have a day job, or usually five. But before we get into that, Cole, how's your week been? Oh, it's all right. I uh, I'm just starting, just starting a cheeky week off. Starting my little home DIY project, which you uh, which you know about, which uh, anyone <laughs> who follows me on the old Instagram will know about, uh, or will do soon by the time this episode comes out. I'm building a vocal booth. I mentioned it in our last podcast. You did, yeah. Uh, I think, um, which I believe is due to be released this week. So no one will know until Thursday. I'm very excited about so, it. I'm also yeah. very jealous because I think I said this before, I was supposed to be able to come over to your house while we did this podcast. Exactly. Because you had all the nice techie techie. Yeah, And exactly. now you've got even better techie techie. And for the you've past year, I'm not allowed to come over. Do you know what? I I actually just bought a really nice uh, new microphone as well, um, which will be good for if we ever want to try recording, recording at the a same podcast time. on one microphone because it's really good for oh, that would be amazing. kind of surroundy kind of uh, different fields of recording kind yeah. of shapeness um and uh, i'm just trying to work out actually how wide is my, my is my vocal booth going to be wide enough for us to both sit in my vocal booth because it's, it's going to be pretty big it's going to be internally it's going to be approximately 140 centimeters squared which is quite big that's nearly three of me. Nearly three of you. So if we just I'm stand uncomfortably oh, close to each other, no, constant eye contact. I, of course, no. No, it's not three of me. Sideways. That's such a lie. That's, oh, man. That would, you'd be quite rotund, For a second, I thought I was 50 centimetres in height. Tall. Yeah, when in I'm height. not. I'm 150. 50 centimetres in height. I'm 150. 50 centimetres in height. Oh, my God. I have so much to talk to you about, by the way. First of all... I mean, um, clearly you've lost a lot of height. Yes, that's, well, I didn't have much to, to begin talk with. To me about. Blimey! First of all, um, I also updated my techie techie. I don't know why I've, I've really gotten into that now. Techie techie. I updated my techie techie this week. I got a mic stand and a pop filter so that hopefully you guys, when I say yeah. words like performance and piece of cake or whatever I might say, um, oh, it doesn't piece as- of cake. It doesn't assault your ears like it has done Sh- in the past. I'm working does, on it, does- you guys. <laughs> Does everyone know why the term piece of cake is important to me and you, Amber? I was just thinking that and I was wondering if you were thinking that and oh my God, we were both thinking, thinking that. that. <laughs> we were both thinking the same thing. Oh, oh my God. God. The company Piece of Cake Casting is the company that brought us together by um, Piece of Cake are, are a, an extras agency and both Cole and I, I think this is going to be on one of our like bonus episodes, but for most of our listeners, um, Cole and I met doing an extra job together. We did. We um, did. It was really fun. So yeah, respect to piece of cake really casting nice. for that. Uh, yeah, so that's the first thing. I've updated my tech and uh, I've got one of those big mic stands that like attaches to the table. So it looks like a big robotic arm holding my mic for me, which makes me feel like I'm like an evil inventor. So that's fun. <laughs> Incidentally, Amber, I've, I've just measured 140 centimetres, which you might have seen over webcam. And I think if we sit in the corners, we'll be all right. Yeah. If we want to sit in the vocal booth. And I'll be yeah. buying a ring light because it will be dark otherwise. That's the so, other thing I bought this week. I bought myself yeah, a did. ring light for my self-tapes. And I've been saying I've been teasing it for a while that I'll talk about self-tapes more. Maybe our next Back to Basics episode, I'll talk about how to make a self-tape. That's actually a really good idea. Boom. But um, But yeah, so I... 
I got a ring light and it's so funny because I got it for practical reasons so that I don't, so A, it will hold my phone f- while I'm recording so I don't have to sit mm. and pile up my ironing board yeah. and a load of books like I've Nothing been doing. piles. Like I've been doing that for ages, trying to get my phone the right height to record myself. So it kind of oh works as a mini tripod, but then also with some lighting and it just makes the whole process so much easier. But it's advertised as the, what, the, so ring lights, you know this, Colt, they've existed for ages, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They are being advertised as selfie lights because... Oh, really? Yeah, because they're really good for taking pictures of yourself, which which they are, but it's just yeah. uh, funny branding. The other funny thing I branding. wanted to tell you is we rewatched the entire extended Lord of the Rings trilogy this week. Amber, my heart just did a little... And I could not stop noticing the leitmotif. So do you know what happens? I know. After I mention it, it's it's in your brain. It's in there forever. Do you know what happens? And all these little things all yeah. over the... Do you know what happens more than once? And it's actually, it probably is when the music like creates an emotional response from me the most is when, ah, and I know it's intentional, but it's when the music almost, so the Shire music is the most comforting, safe, happy. But what happens is when things are like getting broken. So like when, when everything's going wrong between Frodo and Sam, it teases it. It does the first notes. And then go somewhere else, and that yeah. that emotional yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it does oh, that all the time. I can't remember the ring me. theme. I think it's da, 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 da. oh no, that's is that the Eagles? No, I can't remember. There's 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 so many so many that are, you can never remember. But if I hum yeah. loads of tunes, um, ba 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 da, ba 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 ba, and there's the the, 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 the one, ones yeah. with the eye watching and um. Da, 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 da. Oh man! I wish Legolas favorite... got more of a story. By the way, I really do. Oh, do you know what Legolas? Legolas is really interesting because he's the youngest elf in all of Middle Earth. So he was the he's the most recently born elf. Well, this um, it's a whole it's a whole whole thing, and his his relationship with Gimli is really wonderful awesome. and important. And I, I, I was quite sad. There's only one criticism I have of the films. There's, <gasps> no, there's two. What? There's, there's, there's two. Um, which is which isn't really criticisms, um, is that Tom Bombadil wasn't in it because Tom Bombadil represents something very other, and he's a throwback to a past that is not represented in the middle of, in 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 Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings is takes place in the Third Age at the end of the Third Age, yeah. And so Tom Bombadil was like a throwback to the early Slash times. The start of there's the loads of really age. interesting creative writing things I could talk to about that. But the the other criticism I do have. It's a very, very mild one, and I totally forgive it. Is that Gimli's kind of like a clown in the films? Yeah, somewhat. And Gimli is really not like that in the books, and he's very. Um, oh, I love Gimli. I just, I just love Gimli. He, Gimli. Fun fact: after the end of um, Lord of the Rings, he got to go to the Undying Lands. He's the only dwarf who got to go to the Undying Lands. So that's really a thing. that's cute. Um, oh yeah, I don't know, yeah, I just yeah. Love Lord of the what Rings. is your <laughs> What so we me and we've got two we've got two moments that are our yeah. big moments where our hearts just go oh like yeah. in a beautiful way the most satisfying moments of the film or like emotionally wanna, driven moments of the film what are yours do you want to tell me them or I think I should tell you first because yeah, you they might first. be the same yeah. okay Uh, this is really difficult, right? There's there's some really crutch moments. I think Fly You Fools is a really good one. Fly You Fools! Yeah, when, yeah. He di- when he goes down. I love that. 
Um, well, there's, there's actually so many. There's like, if I take one more step, this would be the farthest away from home I've ever been. That's a cute moment. So um, R2... That's, that's adorable. R2R... The I've got end, too many. The end of the fellowship when Sam is getting in the boat and he says yeah yeah i said i'd never leave you you. and i don't mean to and it's just like oh my god i I, love that yeah i just love samwise so much um and then oh right at the end spoilers dickheads but then how can you jesus it's been out a hundred years i don't know how long how long's it been out right at the end when Aragon says, friends, you bow to no one. And the Shire breaks in for the first time, like, in ever. And I just go... (laughs) Also, I've got to say it. I've got to say it. I... I love, I think one of my favourite things, taking a step back, like not not as a fan, as an objective viewer, I love the male emotion and the male love oh, yeah, and the yeah. male affection across those movies. It's really, it's really got positive masculinity throughout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Throughout. Well, the it's other brilliant. thing is, part, part of um, Tolkien's whole view was to um, really reinvent myth and weirdly like our our strange masculine views i i personally think is kind of a th- it's kind of only only the last few hundred years you if you read shakespeare it's a lot less oh we're standoffish and we're all gonna like not touch each other and stuff they're all a lot more fucking you know yeah touchy-feely with each other and shit and um part of that is probably Viggo Mortensen if you watch any of the back behind the scenes stuff Viggo Mortensen is just kissing them all <laughs> it's really it's just adorable it's just adorable and when they're um, all crying after losing yeah. Gandalf like that's beautiful yeah. emotion like it's it's yeah, heartbreaking I love that I love that it's really really good but I always wondered if if that whole um masculinity thing was like some kind of a Victorian throwback or a Puritan throwback or something not sure why it happened I don't know but that's either strange. way I'm just really glad it's there I'm it's, really it's glad really you lovely. have these really warriors beautiful. and these. You've got all these different, like type types of men. You've got the little ones who need yeah, protection. Yeah. That they're still men. They're just hobbits. Also, I've just come mm. to the conclusion that I am straight up a hobbit. You probably are. Yeah, a lot of people are. I'm. I'm very oh, small, it's... and I just want to sit around and <laughs> eat. eat and drink and smoke. <laughs> And be and, happy. And be happy. Like, and yeah. be happy. You just want to have a happy life. And the thing was that Tolkien loved the hobbits. That's he, he really, really loved them. Well, he yeah. Well, the tragedy he, is how happy the hobbits were. That's why it's. That's why the journey is so tragic. Yeah. Is they lived in this exactly. Eden-esque place. Anyway, yeah. shall we? Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> let's let's get to our. I was going to say we'll focus of the week. Time. I said let's get to our focus of the week because that's what we call it when I teach. We have a focus of the week every week. <laughs> hey Amber. Hey, yes, Amber. Cole. What's our focus of the week? Our focus of the week is... And then we will do a drum roll. <laughs> Shit like that. Uh, so today we're talking about our day jobs. Now, Cole and I have realised that over our years trying to make it in our creative worlds, we have had so many day jobs. We're going to break it down and we're just going to have a laugh talking about yeah. different jobs at a time. So today we're going to talk about bartending bartending so, lovely 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 when we first met oh you God. were a bartender what well, yes i i was a bartender um i've done that in a few places uh three places now i think actually i didn't tend bar on the last one i was just a waiter in the last one um but uh, yeah that's fun the, the, do you know what i've i've always had this really difficult balance of um do i go part-time do i go full-time 
It's um, hard. What What am yeah. I doing? You, because you need you need enough money to get by, but you actually need the time to do stuff. So this year, I found it really hard because basically due to the pandemic. I just was like, well, I'll just go full time because I actually don't have any. I have no gigs. Yeah. But the problem is that I want. I I would have liked to have used this time better to write more and to just do more kind of background stuff with the band and also just for for me personally, do a bit more composing and do a bit more of this and that and the other. And I've managed to get this going. Yeah, but, um, for sure. You know. See, this is a big difference between you and me, though. And I I didn't I hadn't thought about it till this moment. But at least with you and you managing your time. You can write music on any day off. You can you can organise yeah, that. When you're an actor, the main reason, like the main reason you need flexibility in a job is because you will get a phone call saying you have an audition the day after tomorrow, be yeah, there. Yeah. So that's where bartending came in for me. So I, I got a job bartending not too long after uni for a really like fancy restaurant like steak and wine and expensive cocktails restaurant and my god brother like basically got me the job and I think that the root of the reason I was unhappy there is because it was such a like high class place all the staff there restaurant work truly well not all of them but a lot of them truly was their passion and they it were doing they yeah. were doing wine training every week and learning about steaks and they all wanted to progress in the hospitality industry and funnily enough actually the waiting staff fucking loved me um mm. the bar staff got really impatient with me because i didn't i didn't know all these different whiskies yeah, and i didn't yeah. i ain't really mind not knowing i was like just teach me how to make the drinks on our menu but because it was a classy place we kind of wanted the bartenders to be able to just make any cocktail at the drop of a hat yeah tricky. and it and yeah and i and i also i remember being like the whole point of me working in a restaurant for not that much money let's be honest is yeah. so that when I need the day off, I can get the day off. But yep. of all the jobs I've had, of all the many jobs I've had, that restaurant was the hardest one to get time off with. Because oh, yeah, I bet. They had a standby system. So you were either on shift or on standby. And if anything, when you were on standby, you there was more pressure to be available because you're the backup. But between having enough shifts guaranteed to pay the bills and then having to do an amount of standby, I had no spare time. It was such a battle to get a day off for my Lambda audition. And none of them cared. None of them understood what a big deal that was. And they said, okay, well, we'll give you that day off, but you're closing the night before. I was like, no, I'm not closing the night before. I'm auditioning for Lambda the next day. And yeah, I think the, the root of my issue with them was they really expected everyone to give... 200% to the hospitality world and I got a job behind a bar for the opposite reason yeah yeah it was it it's actually I I'm really really glad I left that because um for me almost everything I I ever do with a band was on Friday Saturday nights which is exactly when they want me to work um so that was awful getting time off was was really tricky and I had to go part-time so that I could say, okay, I'll cover literally anything you want in the week, but I just can't do Friday and Saturday nights and try not to do Friday, Saturday days. Because a lot of the time for me, it means driving four hours to a gig anyway before I do it. Yeah. So I, I don't have the day either, you know. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, that, it, it, that it was particular place. I did, I did have times where I'd get a phone call on a Monday saying, hi, I need a band on Friday. That does sometimes happen. Um, for sure. Not as much as it would for you, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it, it was it was awful. And I found it so draining because, um, you know, you know, those crazy videos of people just behaving awfully, you know, or like, you know, we've seen it recently in America at the start of the year or things like that. Like, the thing is, I've had so much contact with people and seeing how people will talk to you if they want something from you and they don't really respect you, that nothing surprises me. Mm. Nothing surprises me at all. God, and that's, 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 a really, that's a really sad, damning thing of, of the public. When but, they want you know, something the is, but they don't respect you. Know, you. God, that yeah. is so true. That you is know, so true. Like, like I, I got so used to that, and I, I got really depressed when I was working in some of those jobs because I, I, I was quite... Um, not to go over it too much, but I, I, I have like flashbacks to some moments in my life where I have been waiting tables and people have said things to me and I had no idea how to react. Oh, you tell know? me about it. But you got to laugh it off because otherwise it'll just ruin you. Yeah. You know? But um, it, that was that was one of the reasons why it was so strange for me when I did really big gigs and then the next Monday I'd be back at work. Yeah. Or the next yeah. Sunday I'd be back at work. When I'd done something where you're speaking to a room of hundreds of people who were all freaking loving what you're doing and they're all great and they're all really nice. The people talk to you afterwards really nicely. And then the next Monday people are talking to you like just like awfully, you're a piece you know? of absolute shit. Yeah. Do you know what I've observed? And I I will die on this hill. So the two bartending jobs I've had have been very polar opposites because one was this very expensive hundred pound steaks kind of restaurant in bank yeah. so it was in like the heart of the financial area of london yeah. and then money, the other money, money. one was at a local toby carvery so yeah. could not be more opposite right yeah, interestingly course, yeah. don't get me wrong you had some rich assholes but be, i think we've talked about this before as far as performers with egos when there's a reputation against you you do everything you can to prove you're not that person so when yeah. i worked in central the most stress came from my management. The actual customers, I'm not calling them guests. I'm sorry, you're not a guest, you're a customer. No, they're blooming customers. You, did you have that? They're guests. They're not fucking guests. They're not in my house well, I, and they're not my friend. <laughs> I never worked I never worked in like a proper classy place. Oh, that we had to call them guests, never customer. Anyway, but my point is they were always trying really hard to show that I'm not the asshole that's going to yell at the waitress. I'm not yeah. that guy. And even when they did complain, they actually would go straight over us and go, just just get your manager and I'll be a dickhead to him and not you. Whereas when yeah. I worked in a carvery, oh my God, the people really? who needed, it's not everyone. I'm not having a go at the whole working classes, but yeah, the yeah. people who needed to go to their local carvery, buy a three pound pint and then be a dickhead to the bartender yeah. because you feel so powerless in your day-to-day -day life. I got more verbal like abuse working there than I did ever working at the really fancy pants place serving people with insane money. It's... It's really strange. So I've I've grown up in Oxfordshire, as you know. Yeah. So Ox Oxford itself, though itself itself has uh, a really big disparity between the richest and poorest people, right? Right. But I never worked in Oxford. I worked in the villages outside Oxford, where I believe people typically have quite a bit of money, right? At least compared to to everywhere else, and they don't have money compared to each other. 
That's a bit of a weird thing. But where I worked um, was a bit like a Carvery place. Um, well, no, a bit bit pricey in that, about £4.50 a pint, kind of five quid a pint yeah. type place. But the thing is, that's everywhere where I've ever lived yeah, in yeah. Oxfordshire. That's the case in um, London now anyway. When I worked at the Carvery, yeah. it was when it was like over five years ago. So pints have gone up since. Anyway, yeah. sorry, do carry um, on. It it was tricky. I worked I worked in a few different places. So I worked in a lot of cafes, and I worked um, at a rural pub. I worked at, worked at another rural pub, which was a bit higher class. And actually, I got less. Actually, I don't think I ever got a nasty customer there. A bit bit a little bit pricier, a little bit um, whatever. I didn't get a nasty customer there. I did get a nasty customer at I won't mention the name of the company. Um, and the independent one was amazing. And that one was a rock bar where I wore my own clothes and half the clientele knew me if they were at the gigs because they'd seen me perform. And you were working um, there when we met, when we were... I was. Yeah, well, yeah. I was working both, actually, when both. we met. I was working working at two places when we met. And that one I worked until four o'clock in the morning on the club nights. Now, what, what happened was, actually, there, is that everyone was really nice on the gig nights and then about 12 o'clock they shut... They kick out... Well, they don't kick out the gig, the gig people, but all the students come in who um all the young people students come in who 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 are living round and about hmm. and that's when it all got horrible when it was the club night um yeah that's but expected. weirdly weirdly when i was working the bar there and people were mean to me i just couldn't be bothered people would just swear in your face and just go well i don't care i'll just point them out and then the bouncers oh my god there's a bouncer there called Stu, who's like hagrid but with no hair <laughs> right and he's a motorbiker <laughs> and he's terrifying that. like when he stands in a doorway you actually can't you can't if okay so if one of us stood in the doorway you could just walk past us right you can't yeah. do that with Stu. he's fucking huge right and one time there was this bloke who's been really horrible and this this girl came up leaned over and said listen this bloke behind me is kicking me in the back of the shins this skinhead kicking me in the back of the shins he's pushing people about and he's swearing at people he's trying to get to the front right and so I was like put him out and um, just tell me what he looks like oh, he's the skinhead behind me and I look right and he's oh yeah it's that guy alright and I can see him just shoving people about and kicking people at the back of the legs and stuff what an arsehole so I got it was so satisfying because I've had so much crap from customers in my life so I just walked over to Stu and said Stu there's a bloke and he's, he's kicking people he's doing that okay walk around the bar and point him out to me and I walk around the bar point him out and this Stu just comes and picks him up <laughs> and walks him out and the guy picked a fight with Stu and well, it's just dumb. the worst idea they Lo- and, and the bouncers love getting fights picked to them because they just throw someone out the at the thing properly like a cartoon like Fresh Prince mm. of Bel Air you know <laughs> they get to do that they loved it but it was weird I had this one weird event which I talked to you I, I, I mentioned earlier when I was working that bar and I worked loads of loads of gigs when I wasn't performing myself and the thing is my band Hell's Gazelles now a lot of bands we found out after we'd come up with that name that loads of other people have the name Hell's something, right? Oh, <laughs> so, I'm sure. Um, of course. So it never occurred to us when we started started doing that that loads of other bands would come up with the name Hell's something. So there was um, some bands on. I actually know all the bands now personally, slightly at least. There was a band called Switchblade City who are no more, unfortunately. I hope they're going to do some more stuff. A band called Black Tree Vultures who I'm very good friends with and a band called Hell's Addiction, which I know a little bit. So um, the headline band was, I think, uh, um, Switchblade City. Second band on was Hell's Addiction. And the first band on was Black Tree Vultures, right? So all these bands are going on and Hell's Addiction are playing, right? And being me, I'm picking up all the glasses. I'm doing a glasses run. So I go into the backstage area, which I've been to before as me singing, but not as a a performer, as as a bartender. And Mm. I go in there and I'm listening to the conversations and um, they go... What's the name of the band on? 
I can't remember. And this is fair because when you do loads and loads of gigs, you never know the names of all the bands, right? Yeah. And you go in there and they're going, I don't know, Hell's something, is it? Hell's Gazelles, is it them? And I say, it's definitely not Hell's Gazelles. Because <laughs> that's me. And I found that funny. Yeah. Um, but it made me laugh. But made it's weird you because laugh. It's, 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 a, it's an environment gigging with all these bands that you meet loads of people and you have to fucking remember all their band names all the time and you you quickly you know start knowing all these little faces in the scene and and getting on with people and it's quite nice but people are competitive i don't know if you've ever found that i'm I'm assuming you have but people are really competitive because bands are so insular you see and um, it's nicer when you can get over that are you talking about bands or are you talking about bartenders now (laughs) bands bands, oh yeah of course bands oh my gosh actors are competitive but i it's you know what there's a slight tangent i really really pride myself on the company i keep and i i think i think that it is reasonable to judge people by the company they keep um this has got nothing to do with bands now but the reason i say it is i was gonna say yes actors are very competitive yes dancers are very competitive but i don't surround myself with those nasty people i surround myself with people who support each other and encourage each other and give honest kind advice and support but in general i'm just really proud of the fact that the people that i'm around are good people so if so for example if you were to let's say um i had a new year party one day one year and you you decided you were going to come you wouldn't really know anyone you haven't met that many of my friends you would be welcomed and talked to and joked with and treated really well and i know that because i've had that happen over and over again when i've been dating someone or when when i've just had a party and it's just been at my flat but there have been a few people from art said a few people from back in like my school days maybe someone from uni and they don't know each other but they're really really kind to each other and the other side to that that when i went to see you yeah when you saw the show the other side to that coin is i am not sorry for the fact that i do not tolerate people who are not good people i i like we've all got friends that have flaws i have friends who are flawed and i accept them with their flaws but i also keep them in check i say oi rein your neck in don't be nasty to, and I'll do that. What your neck in? <laughs> my Londoner came out. Yeah. But my point what? is, I know that every people have flaws and that's fine, but I have more than once said to a group of friends, I do not want that person in my house. Do Boom. not bring them. They are not welcome because they. I see how they treat other people. So just an example, had a party years ago and um, one girl... Just for context, I don't actually 100% know her race, but I think that she is has a combination of a Muslim heritage and a black heritage. I don't know all the details, but she was at a house party and another girl asked her about a song or a dance that, that is important to to a culture it's like you asking me if i know greek music basically and it's like well i'm greek you can ask me this so my white friend asked her oh do you know this and i saw her give her this big shocked wide-eyed offended look and she made my friend squirm she made my friend like try to dig out of a hole that she hadn't really dug she was just trying to find some and this girl was actually engaged to a black guy at the time and he she was going no 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 i my please don't my 
my fiance is black. I have a mixed race child. I'm I'm really just trying to yeah, find yeah. something for us to talk about. I'm really sorry if it offended yeah, you. Yeah. And she just let my friend feel like she'd done something wrong and squirm and made her so uncomfortable. And she then went and bragged about it to our other friends, saying, "Oh, That's that was awful. so funny." And I've I've openly been like, "Do not bring that girl to my house." That's so mean. How dare you? How dare you? It's treat- weird, isn't it? So yeah, it's, it's, I even though there are dynamic. competitive people in my industry, I don't have time for them. When we did another show, and I don't want to say which one, but when I did a show, one girl, her behavior was just unhealthy. It was provocative behavior, and I clocked it earlier than most. Um, she was like messaging me late at night about a breakup. Fine, sometimes you just need someone to listen. And that, that was fine at that point. And I thought we yeah, were becoming we've done friends. That. Yeah, 100%. And I thought we were becoming friends. And then uh, I don't want to hang out this person's dirty laundry, so I'm not going to. But there were a lot of red flags very early. And I was like, you're not actually looking for help. You're looking for drama. And I clocked that very quick. And throughout the show, she proved me right over and over and over again to the point where I just mm. was like, do you know what? I think we should just not talk because I didn't want to yeah. lose my rag. But the best I could do was say, you and I need to just separate. I can't hang out with you because it's exhausting for me. And even then, because she's a drama queen, she cried and she screamed and she told everyone. Yeah, and course, she says, Amber yeah. hates me. Amber, I was like, I don't hate you. That to hate you is like a, a is a like a very conscious continuous action. I don't hate you. I just do not want you around me because you I... mean nothing to me. Yeah, <laughs> no. and I've and but, I've know, stuck you know, with you that. You have to really be involved with someone if if you, if you actually hate them. You, it's important in your life to weed out the dickheads. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's really important. I've I've got quite good at, at spotting dickheads from afar and holding the right people uh, at bay, as it exactly. were. Exactly. So my point is, yes, people can be competitive, but. The people that I have are, are really lovely, and I like them. Mm. That's nice. Ding. So back to bartending. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Um, I've got loads of funny bartending stories. Oh, I'll tell you a good one. Oh my god, you'll find this so funny. Okay, this is Boom. the first time I'm I'm applying for a bartending job. I was 18. I was home from uni for the summer. Okay. And I'm like, I need a job. I'm skint, student life, um, living at home. What shall I do? And it was Father's Day and we went into the carvery and we saw a little help wanted sign. And I went, I'll help. (laughs) And the manager actually looked at me, went, sure. um, Come in tomorrow during the day. We made a quick little come in at this time, like 11 a.m. when it's not busy. Uh, Bring your CV. We'll do an interview. Don't worry. And I was like, great, lovely. The good old fashioned way of getting a new job. Yeah. So yeah. I went in and and said with love, but that manager was quite a little podgy, older than me, balding <laughs> bloke, right? Yeah. So I think I'm going to be meeting this person. And then I arrive and one of the sexiest men I've ever seen <sighs> in my life was interviewing me. And I was like... Whew, unprepared for this but okay and I'm 18 like I'm young I'm hormonal I'm nervous I don't know what I'm doing so anyway I did end up getting the job as you know but um we were sat going through things and he he was only a year older than me this manager so he was like learning to be a manager so he was interviewing and things like that and so he's going through everything and you can, he's like reading it out. He's going, so when we do this, 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 and this, this is that procedure. Cool. This is the, da, 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 da. and he's kind of following the formula and reading things out. And at the time I didn't know 
that the term for the amount of foam on a beer is called head the head I oh didn't, amber i didn't know this i know what's coming and then he's reading out like the like here's our standard of service and then i just remember i still remember sat on like a little table at the bar and he was like and every drink must be served with an acceptable amount of head and i was just sat there like what what, <laughs> what have i got myself into oh my god i was so flustered i don't know how i got that job <laughs> oh and you know you know when you're at a stage of your job where um where you know some stuff but not everything and when you're brand new you can ask for help every single time but when it's too late to ask yeah and i it's like I when was... you've known someone for two weeks and you can't know and you don't know their name yes exactly I had one of the worst shifts ever where in, in the same shift, I dropped a tray of glasses and they smashed everywhere. I Wait. I tripped on the ramp for the beer garden Obviously, and yeah. ripped my shoe in pieces yep, and had to lovely. like finish my shift with half a shoe. And the worst part was when someone asked me to go downstairs and change the keg. And I didn't turn the gas off. And the yep, gas... I did that. The yep. gas keeps everything Psst. churning Psst. and fizzy. And I didn't turn the gas off and I pierced a new keg of Stella. Cheap, dirty Stella. And cheap, I got, dirty Stella. I got an absolute fountain of it coming out and like proper, like aggressively hitting me in the face. And I'm just yep. trying really hard to get to get the tap to lock into place. I know that if I go upstairs for help, the keg will be half empty by the time we get down. It's too late. I just have to do it. And I was just, I just remember being there, like whipping my head from side to side going, fuck, fuck you bastard, break shit, wanker. Until I got it in and just, I went home that day like a drowned fucking chihuahua with a broken shoe. And I I literally went home and just was like, I had a bad day. <laughs> oh bless oh, poor little God. thing. When I waited tables, they absolutely loved me. Like in in the fancy restaurant, um I say again, I say this with love, but 80% of the staff spoke English as a second language. Mm. And it was very packed and very busy. And I think the fact that I actually just have quite a local English accent, a lot of people kind of felt relieved. Local sometimes when they had me because it was just mm. easier it it just and I, i'm not trying to shit on people who speak multiple languages i don't well done honestly but i can understand that there were customers who had maybe um because we also at that restaurant you had a head waiter who stayed in yeah. their section never left their section didn't actually bring things from the pass or from the bar and they were purely there for taking orders and talking about wine and fancy things like that yeah, yeah. they then had a back waiter who would to get get the steak knives and get the right water still or sparkling yeah. and run and get drinks from the bar and then you had runners and runners did like the shit work they polished glasses oh, they man. filled up ketchup they would hold the big tray with all the thing on it so my point is the head waiter would never leave their section a lot of the yeah. back waiters and runners were the ones with the worst english sometimes that's why they were back waiters and runners yeah, yeah. not because they were unqualified but because they weren't quite there yet and they would get promoted when their english got well yeah, yeah, yeah. this at the other oh, so man. you can understand if you're 
sat there in this really busy restaurant and, and and it's really packed and and it's loud and you know whatever and you just want one little thing you just want like some mustard with your steak or whatever and you're trying to get hold of people and it's loud and they're speaking a different language and it's tiring whereas if I would pass go you're right they'd be like oh thank god yeah can we hand them and they just loved me and you yeah, had yeah, yeah. I had it a lot where tables would like request me to be their waitresses and things Aww. like that and it was just a shame that in that job as well, I don't, I, there are so many jobs in the world that are male dominated, yeah? Yeah. And some of them, I can take a step back and understand why. It doesn't make it okay, but I can kind of work it out. I can go, I understand why sports is male dominated, for example, right? Is it just me or is bartending such a boy club sometimes? Oh, I have never found that quite. Um, really? The weird, the weird, yeah, but this is this is the location thing because you're in London as well, right? So um, I was going to tell you two things funny actually. Um, one is that when I got so sick of people talking to me like crap when I was waiting tables and doing yeah. bartending, that I I saw I drove I I was getting a Domino's one day, I think, or drove past the Domino's one day and saw saw drivers wanted, and I went in and said, "Hey, are you looking for drivers?" Because I was like. I could do part-time shift doing driving a week and I, I can't sleep. So I'm, I've always been a night owl. Um, and um, I was like, well, if I don't have to work the counter, then I'll be grand. I'll just turn up people, give them a pizza and then go home, you know, or go, mm. go to the next one. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then I realised that everyone who worked at the Domino's didn't speak English as a first language. And so the guy said, sorry, we're not hiring drivers, drivers at the moment, only people at the front desk. And he's standing next to a massive sign <laughs> saying drivers wanted because he really wanted, you know, um, someone who spoke English spoke, as a first language to, uh, yeah. to, to run the counter. And I was like, ah, you know. But oh, no, we didn't say that. Um, I... Uh, I haven't found it as a boys' club. Wait, 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 waiting tables has typically been women. Yes, um, with me. waitressing is, um, is waitressing much more than waiting. I suppose bartenders. To me, it was about fifty-fifty with bartenders. I noticed something really interesting that I found in everywhere I've worked, which is that I think it's just because of the places I've worked is that most of the men are typically gay or bisexual, apart from the chefs. I've not that had that in customer service personally, but maybe they're just different experiences. Um, do you know? Oh, we can we can have some serious the, the talks I'm about working. chefs though. Chefs have. Oh my god, chefs are awful. I one of the right? first. Oh my god, I I've literally okay. I won't even say the place, but I walked into a place where the, I literally saw someone doing a line of coke like. <laughs> in the back of the room and i was just like what the fuck man like and i know they're all on coke by the way people at home if you've ever met a chef they've probably they're done on coke drugs they're dr- at least chefs. once you have to and usually they will have a habit in their defense okay? they do work the worst yeah. hours the chefs totally. and i get it i totally understand but they are it. all yeah. on drugs they're all on <laughs> and coke. it's usually coke, on coke because coke keeps you awake yeah, that's, that's why. why. Because they work, they work the longest shifts, and the money's not great. Not at you know, all. And they have to stay up late, and they have to get up early, and that's why they all do coke. And that's why Gordon Ramsay kept finding loads of evidence of coke in all his staff toilets and stuff because they're all doing it just so they can stay up, you know, and so they can stay on the ball. Yeah. You know, because it's they, it's a high pressure job and it's going all yeah. the time, you know. But, but chefs can be so I, nasty. Oh my god! And misogynistic, and homophobic, and racist. Yeah. And I, I, do you know what? I, I will tell you the first thing. Yeah. I walked in. I walked into to a restaurant. This is the place, the 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 pub that I was working at when I first met you. Not the Rock Pub. That was a nice place. Yeah. The Rock Pub was lovely, um, but the other one, the the country one. I walked in. The country one. 
Yeah. Country one. No, I was making country a joke about one. that. Can't that's, spell that country without. Anyway, uh, walked in and this bloke said, um, are you English? Yeah. Are you gay? No. Do you have a foreskin? What on earth is that? That's disgusting. How dare that's you? That's awful. Yeah. And that's not the worst thing I've heard. So when I, when I worked at the fancy place... Um, I worked in the dispense bar more often than not. So back yeah. to the fact that the bar was a boys' club. The, there was a le- level that was a bar with a, upstairs, right above the yeah, restaurant, sure. and the boys were such assholes to me. There was a point where, like, oh, I could I could give you so many examples, but they just yeah, they just treated me like a little whipping kid, and they yeah, didn't yeah, share they, that, they yeah. shared their tips Bartons with each other and not with me, and they would they just yep. looked down on me, and it was horrible. So I was Chefs in the dispense that, yeah. bar a lot. So the dispense bar where that restaurant was was a little a little room next to the kitchen where all the drink orders for the restaurant went. So because it was such a busy place, the bar was its own thing and the drink orders came to dispense bar. And I quite liked it because it was my space. It was quite a small little room. Everything's metal and it's my bar. And there's a little mm. window and the tickets print and I get the drinks for the waiters. And it's right next to the kitchen. Now, some t- to be fair, those chefs, I've, I've some of them were all right. But knowing me, I'm sure you can understand. I'm actually very you good. Don't want to take, yeah. I'm very good at like asserting myself, especially over like immature masculine behavior. Twats. So when yeah. they wanted to just kick off, I'd be like, who do you think you're talking to? And I really would talk yeah, down yeah. to them. Like, um, I can't think of, there was an example once where, yeah, it was during a really busy part time of year, the lead up to Christmas in that restaurant. I mean, all restaurants are busy. That one was horrible because it was central. So many companies wanted their Christmas party there and we had loads of private rooms, but only so much staff and trying to, oh, it was exhausting. And we, none of us, none of us were sleeping for like that for all of December. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. one of the managers got a massive case of Red Bull as like a little gesture. And actually yeah. the head chef, the head chef was a legend, you know, to be fair. I yeah. loved that guy. He came in and I'm like guarding them, but he said, can I take a bunch for my boys? I was like, absolutely, man. So yeah. he, he he kneels down, he picks up like six or seven cans of Red Bull and goes back into the kitchen. Yeah, of course. And then this other chef works out that there's Red Bull and he's not been given one. So he comes in and tries to have a go at me and he's like, so what? You don't think I've been working doubles all week? You don't think I didn't? And I was like... Do you want to calm the fuck down? Your head yeah. chef was the first one to come and take half of them to share out between you. So go talk to him and get out of my fucking face. Like I have problems with confrontation. It's it's odd because in certain environments I'm really really good at it. Yeah. But um so partially I I yeah, I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. And I now I can't find the middle ground. So either I, I cow away or I am hyper You're- angry. Right? And um, you you won't know this about this. I think I have some anger issues or I had some anger issues. Not now, but I think I had some. The other thing is I, I like to just step back and go, well, you're a dickhead. I don't need this and just avoid things. Absolutely. You know, because I don't need it. And no. try and, and pick your battles and stuff like that. But I, I have a problem with it. Um, and so there was a bloke who was getting, <laughs> he was getting, getting funny with me at that job that I was at when I was I was uh, when I met you this is at that country pub again right um emphasis on country and uh this bloke who was like a bit younger than me didn't know he thought I was younger than him actually but you know he was trying to push me around and I was just like avoiding it avoiding it and one day when I was making coffee he just nudged my arm a little bit and I knocked something over I said you idiot and he was like don't you ever talk to me like that and then I saw red and 
um, pinned oh, him up no. against the wall. There is nothing you can do to me. I will break you. And like, and and so. I yeah I have that I have that thing where I see red and that happened actually with that story I told about when I got left at the service station where I just picked him up yeah do you remember yeah. that and I I don't hit people or anything but I have just a point where I can't and I can't control it anymore and I have to reel myself back in I think I've definitely I've definitely worked on it well over the years but I remember I was I was a, when I was like a little girl when I was a child uh, my my dynamic and you know people can insult this as much as they want but my dynamic was my older brother looked after me so what that led to was when I then went to an all-girls secondary school when I was like 11 Mm. I didn't have the tools to look after myself yet yeah yeah and I was a crier like I still am a crier and I I mean when I look back at school I wish the if I could change one thing I just wish I was better at like saving my emotion for when I was alone because it put a target on my back because I gave people the reaction and yeah, I and I remember actually this still links to acting. Well, I went I went away for a few months to do a little independent movie, which is a huge deal anyway. But when you're that young, it's an even bigger deal. So I had to get taken out of school. I had a tutor while I did it. All that jazz. Now I was so excited to go back and see my friends because I was a 13 year old. We'd all been like on the phone and on MSN to each other and stuff while I was away. And then when I get back, life isn't the same. And I had a girl who I thought was yeah. my best friend. We grew up doing dance lessons together who clearly uh, couldn't handle the shift, couldn't handle that I'd mm. gone and done this film. And it was it was one of the most horrible years. So it became, oh. she was angry at me and for a different reason every day. And none of them, she said, oh, you upset this other girl. And I went, okay. And I went to the other girl and I went, I, I, I don't know what I've done, but I, I'm so sorry. And she was like, no, 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 you haven't done anything. What are you talking about? So this girl just created nasty situations and and next thing you know I've got friends saying to me I'm sticking by her and I was just going but I don't know what's happened I don't I, yeah. I've truly not I can't understand I can understand consequences I can understand yeah, yeah, yeah. I've pissed you off you're not my friend anymore fine yeah, yeah. but that wasn't what it was and it was no. it was really mentally and emotionally draining and she would yeah, yeah. she would like provoke me until I cried and then like open a door so people saw me crying and losing it and stuff and this went on for a really long time and we've said this before i have a scrappy mum and my mum was yeah, yeah. she was tortured by this because she wanted nothing more than to go and like smack this teenage girl obviously yeah, she couldn't course, yeah. so she sat there with me at home going you need to fucking defend yourself and she was proper like you need to come on amber get yeah, in yeah. there back back yourself up this has been going on for my poor mum it must have really tortured her to have her baby girl just taking all this nastiness and coming home crying Mm. every day and stuff and then one day and this is why i thought of it she did the arm shove and part of part of the bullying had been that little shoulder checking like 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 earlier yeah exactly part of the bullying had been gaslighting part of it had been amber you're psycho so when she did this i grabbed the nearest person to me her name was rachel and i went rachel did you see that and rachel was like amber i think you should just try to stay calm i was like no 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 rachel did you see that and she was like i saw that i was like thank you very much rachel and yeah it was it was it's still in my mind it's still the day that i realized how good it feels to stand up for yourself and i remember i i I used my voice just carried down this hallway i like yelled her name and she froze like she was like a fucking gazelle (laughs) like a hell's gazelle (laughs) and i i had this shoulder like laptop style bag and i walked up to her 
And I was like, how would you feel if I shoved you and I threw my bag off my shoulder? I did not touch yeah. her. But the fact that I threw my bag off my shoulder, threateningly, she burst into tears. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to offend you. It was, it was an accident. I was like, it wasn't an accident. And I remember <laughs> saying, if you touch me again, I will fucking kill you and she was like <laughs> okay okay and i went home and i was like i did it <laughs> now i'm not saying oh. we should all go there instantly it's tricky it's, it's, it's tricky. it should be a last resort okay and there should be other things you do first whether it's trying to talk it out whether it's getting distance but if you're mm. in a situation like at school where you have to go back to, into a room with that person every day and the bullying does just get it starts off nasty and then it becomes mm. physical you've got to do something yeah so i think and then yeah i think i found a balance nowadays and my big balance is just saying you do not deserve my time and energy you can leave and i think sometimes not giving people i went a bit german then did you i think sometimes i, I think, think sometimes that, i think that sometimes if you don't give the person the reaction because a lot of people want the reaction they're hungry for yeah. it they're addicted to it and it can be very very empowering so like that girl from this show who i said was crying and drama creating when i took away her ability to get that reaction out of me that mm. was what she couldn't handle so yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. empowering thing. I heard this thing that was like, if someone tries to give you a gift and you don't take it, they've still got it. It's still in their yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah. So think of that as their insult or their drama or their cruelty. If they try to it's give it so to you and you hard. just don't pick it up, they're left with it. It's so tricky. I had another example of this is where there was a girl at the place that was actually a nice place that I worked at. Yeah. And I started working there just after I'd had this horrendous breakup which I which we talked to talked to each other about right we talked we talked a was, lot during that time yeah. yeah and I was in pieces right yes. I was feeling like crap and I was not like emotionally stable enough to like deal with people <laughs> and so this girl um was doing all this passive aggressive stuff and I I actually had nothing I had nothing to respond because I couldn't do the thing that I did with that guy no because you that's not that's unacceptable it's very you know? unacceptable well, I think it's partially because at that point in time, I was so fucking all over the place that I wouldn't have been able to be like, listen, you can't fucking talk mm. to me about like that. I won't have it. You know, see, I can say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now. And sometimes you, you sometimes yeah. also like, you know, in the moment when someone says something to you, you're just like still processing. Like, why are you being so, so shitty with me? Your brain is just like, why is this happening? Like, you know, happens to me all the time. But, um doesn't happen anymore because now mm. i've got a nicer mm. job i've got a nicer job now but people aren't dicks to me yeah so that's good isn't it i want to hear funny stories now we've done some of the dark shit we've talked about the sexist oh my god oh, and all awful, that jazz. Awful. <laughs> so moving just to turn it into a positive let me just tell you a nice chef story so when i was working in the dispense bar um there was a night it had been a long day for everyone and one of the managers said amber put it on a tab that I'll cover and get every every closing chef a drink. Yeah. And I was like, cool. But that then added like half an hour to my shift because yeah. they all wanted a cocktail, which is fine and it's not their yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, fuck man, my bar was ready to close. Anyway, so that's happening. I'm making like mojitos and God knows what for these chefs. And then it was so lovely. And also I, I really did develop a nice relationship with them after a while. One of them who was on starters, he collected... Um, nice bottles 
And no. the, the expensive liquors are very expensive. So if, if yeah, we yeah, finished yeah. one, I'd always give it to him and he really appreciated mm. that. So the night that I made everyone in the kitchen a fucking round of drinks, um, he gave me a little starter that was like a steak tartare thing with crackers. The sous chef said, Amber, you can have anything. What do you want? And genuinely, I said that we had a really, I know it sounds weird, we had this really good quality, refreshing salad that had like four types of tomato in it nice. which when you've been running around and sweating in one room yeah, all day, yeah. i was like genuinely can i have a tomato salad he was like are you serious i was like yeah i want that refreshing thing he was like okay so he gave me a tomato salad but also some chips and he cut up a bit of steak and put nice. it in the chips oh, and then gosh. the dessert chef gave me just a little tiny square of cake and wrote thank you in chocolate sauce on the plate so they like added up to this really lovely three-course meal just for me that night so that was lovely so that's nice nice. chefs what's your funny story it's isn't it's not actually as funny it's just nice um so amber you know me in kind of both aspects of my life being me sitting in my pajamas and doing a podcast with you wearing my glasses and having my hair all floppy whereas some people some people only get a little window into my life which is me on stage for instance or me at work or me at this me at the other yeah they see one side um, of you and everyone's always surprised when i work with them when they see the videos of me because they just because i'm not i'm not uh i'm a very fluffy and genteel individual um and uh there was a woman came into when i was working at the country pub and um, I always like it when I see people who are a bit alternative come in, or I, I did when I worked there, because it was just like, oh, like, I get you, you know? <laughs> like, like, one you know, of like, us. <laughs> oh, one of, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got loads of tattoos. And, oh, yeah, I, I get that. Oh, you're wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. Like, yeah, I, I yeah, you yeah. I get, okay? For sure. You're my people, man. So, so this woman comes in, purple hair, and I was like, Oh, cool. She's she's older than me, but um, I was like, okay, so she's going to be a bit alternative, a bit interesting, right? And she's she's looking at this brochure, and I, and I I've got her a drink, and I, I've got her 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 stuff, and and sort of, and and I'm walking past, and she's looking at this brochure, and I realise, you know that thing at Ibiza, mm-hmm. she's looking at the brochure for that. She's looking at the brochure for that. Um, and they do a load of different festivals, and the 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 Ibiza festival was one of the bro- one of the festivals that they do. And I walked up and just said, "Oh, I'm playing that next year." What? Yeah, there's my name, Hell's Gazelles. That's you're the guy from Hell's Gazelles. Oh, She's seen pictures of me in videos, so but she didn't know what I looked like in my normal life. It was really weird, it's like a Clark Kent moment. I was going to say um, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was just a really nice thing, and um, now I know her quite well. She goes to, she's been to all all my gigs in Oxfordshire since then, and um, really, really nice. So isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? I remember I when I was so. a waitress, and um, so it, what really pissed me off would be when when customers would like get up and chase you around the fucking restaurant. So oh. whenever they did that, I I would quite sternly. No, I just wouldn't. Brick. I would say if they if they came up to me and went, "Can I pay my bill?" I'd say, "Absolutely, go back to your table, and I'll bring the card machine." And I would always assert, "Go back to your table, and I'll take care." Absolutely, no worries. But go, go, sit the fuck down. <laughs> and I remember Boom. once someone did that, and they came up to me while I was at my little dumb waiter with my little till and and doing shit. And I can't yeah. even remember what they did, but they were being assholes, such massive assholes. And I just assholes. was able to take it that day, and I just was smiling them right in the face. 
And then they fucked off. And the guy on the nearest table had heard the whole thing. And he turned to me and he went, how did you do that? Like, how did you put up with that? And every now and then you really do get these these lovely people who they who really do, like, respect how hard you're working in customer yeah. service. God. There was a I'd group I'd never of... do it again. Yeah. I would never do it again. No, I did it for years. Even if you I'm paid done. me three times the wage, I wouldn't do it again. Three times the wage is still less than I'm making now. Yeah. Just let that I sink work, in. I... I I earn I earn I think double I earn more than double what I did when I was doing those jobs. So, Not three times, but more than double. I was going to say so. I've made it sound a bit. Un- I've I've depicted it unfairly, but with the job that I have now, it's a really good hourly hourly rate. But because it's workshops, you only really get booked for a few hours at a time. So if mm. you see it as an hourly rate, it's great money. If you see it as a day rate, it's slightly less great money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still, yeah, much more financially stable than I ever was yeah, yeah. working customer yeah, service. Yeah, me too. This is the weird thing, Amber. Because because I've not had gigs this year, because gigs are a huge expense, that's how I've been able to buy this vocal booth. Like, yeah. as in buy all yeah. the stuff I need for it and uh, and the new mic. I've actually, I've had more dispensable income this year. The other thing is I actually, um, speaking of day jobs, not really a day job, but I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I do a lot of composing partially for, for pleasure, but also for occasional dosh. And this year, loads of other people have been doing podcasts. And so I have been doing, um, I've been doing loads and loads of, uh, or I was until recently doing loads of music for other people's podcasts and getting the odd bit of cashola in, which is really good for me because it gets my creative muscles kind of stretched and used a bit and uh, and get a bit of money from it, which is really handy. But um, oddly enough, that's only happened this year and it stopped a few months ago um, because unfortunately the podcast that someone's doing that was really regular had to stop, which was a mm. shame. But oh well... These things happen. They said something very naughty on their podcast. Oh, and wow. They and they fired. got cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Did the podcast get cancelled altogether? It over... was, okay, so the podcast was the podcast of a company. And, I see. Um, I did all the music. And they did, they had new music music every couple of weeks, so I was I was like every few weeks another eighty quid or something, you know. And that was really good, um, because it's weird. It it was it was really nice for me because it's really difficult to get paid doing doing music, and I was doing stuff that I have bought all the equipment for, bought all the software for, and have learned how to do by just yeah. being good at music and knowing how music works and things, right? So I and I know about forms and I know about different genres and stuff like that. And I'm good at just going, oh, you need this, so I'll make this because that's what you need and I'll do it really quick, Mm. right? And I really enjoyed that. And it was like, oh, I'm being paid an amount that represents the kind of, you know, groundwork I've put in, not just the hourly work I'm putting in. Mm. So, you know, the the reason I can do something in two hours is because I've spent a thousand hours doing it. Getting good at it, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not actually two hours work, it's years of experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. It was really nice having that, which is, it's really difficult to find that. And I was really gutted when that bit of regular work went away. Yeah. Oh, especially when it actually relates to what you do. Getting paid. Like I, one of my day jobs, which we can chat about more on another day, but one of mine had to get cancelled because of COVID. It was, it was managing an office and um, I was like the team leader and all, all this stuff. And the company are speech writers. All right. 
and which some people think is so bizarre like oh my god people don't write their own speeches and it's like well actually public speaking is one of the most intimidating things for people like Mm. and so you know if someone's asked to be a best man and they really want to do a good job but but they're terrified to speak in public. We, yeah, yeah. we really, it's a lovely company plan, in my opinion. Yeah, my point really is, the friend that hooked me up with that job, who got me my initial interview, he he's he's very like in love with music. He's had, he, he was like a kid who read The Enemy, like nuts, but also wants to be a writer. So even though, no, he's not writing music and no, he's not written a, an epic novel, yet you know you never know but Mm. he's at least getting paid to do the thing that he spent years getting good at writing and Mm. even though it might not be his end game i think it really helps that at least it's in his his area of expertise yeah you must have some funny bartender stories come on i don't know um a lot of mine are to do with either me fancying someone or someone fancying me (laughs) There was, um, there was, okay, one time I was working Halloween yeah. and a stormtrooper came in. Brilliant. And, and she took her helmet off and, oh my God. <laughs> that was exactly it. And I was like, well, <laughs> shit. And Whips I was with my ex at the around. time. And I was like, you know, and um, she came up and on a drink and I said, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Which, by the way, is the greatest line I have ever had. Do you know why, Amber? <laughs> why? Because that's what Leia says to Luke when he turns up to rescue her in in, in New Hope. Oh, I see. So, and the fact that she had a full, it was the full thing. She must know. She must know. (laughs) She must know. And I was just like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? And that's the smoothest thing I've ever done in my entire life, Amber. That's the smoothest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Because, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, mate. But um, that to me was really funny. Like a little crystalline moment. Oh, nailed it. Go on. It was great. It was great. But people listen at home will go like, uh, that wait, was I'm waiting smooth. to hear her reaction. Smooth. Come on. Oh, she, I can't fucking remember. She oh, just, okay. I can't fucking remember. Nothing happened. I, I had wasn't going to do anything. Jesus. I but had it was it just like, man, carvery. smooth as shit. I had it at the carvery where these three guys were coming in every night for like a small space of time. They were contractors and builders and they were working on a house nearby. So while they were working on that house, they were regulars and then they kind of fucked off. And then there was a point where um, they thought, let's see who can. You. Okay men dear men when dear you... men <laughs> when... i'm here i'm here I'm a, I'm a i'm a representative i'm a willing representative whatever you say when you all sit there and decide which one of us can get the bartender's number she knows it's not subtle so that was clearly like it was clearly there was clearly a bit of banter between them who's gonna who's gonna win my 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 approval basically and one of them goes um so what's your name? I went, oh, my name's Amber. And he went, oh, my sister's called Amber. And I went- Well, that's pro- disgusting. That's what I said. I went, you probably <laughs> you probably shouldn't sexualize it then. And then <laughs> the second guy tried to say something. I can't remember what. And I batted that off. And then I just looked the third guy in the eyes and went, what's your line? And he went, I don't, I don't have a line. I was like, cool. <laughs> okay, so two things. I have never done that. It's a but thing, fair enough, I'm I telling you it's a thing. I imagine people do that. Um, I have a second-hand bartending story, which isn't from me. My best mate's girlfriend, Katie, um, she won't mind. Um, she had a bloke, uh, she was working the bar, a, a really great rock bar. and um, But she had this bloke come in who um, was Australian. Yeah. And uh, chatted her up. Cool. And his mate was like, 
you're never going to get her, you're never going to get her. Anyway, got a number, and they went on a few dates. And she found out after a couple of days that he wasn't Australian. Um, he was just putting it on. And his name is Nath Digman. And they are still together. That was my best mate pretending to be Australian when they first went out. <laughs> so this, again, this wasn't when I was a bartender, but there was um, there's a pub in Bounds Green where for a while it was like our favourite pub. It was kind of because one of our friends worked there. That was how it started. Yeah, one yeah. of our friends worked there. So we went there like every Saturday so we could hang out with him as well. It had a pool table. The food was really nice. They had really nice like homemade pub food. Yeah. So for a while that was our little hangout spot. And um, again, one of the bartenders was a very, very attractive woman. And me and her were friends for a while, didn't end up staying in touch, but we got on really well. But you yeah. could tell the boys in my friendship group are all a little bit like nervous and oh, hi, and this, that, the mm-hmm. other, right? Ooh, yeah. Nerdy boys. So. Nerdy boys. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. I need to leave all names out of it. One of our friends. Tell me the names and I will just blank them out. No. One of okay. our friends. Um, I'm going to rename him. I'm not going to rename him. Let's say Freddie. Okay? Jeremiah. One of our Who friends, Freddie, um, yeah. is, is is very young looking, has quite a baby face, is also a dancer and in really good shape. Credit to him. Cool. He was also a little bit immature. He's a few years younger than us. And yeah, so that's Freddie. There was a point where Pretty Bartender came up to our table when he wasn't there to on the quiet say to us, guys, he is over 18, right? And we were like, oh, bless. Yeah, no, he is. He is. Like she came to us in that trusting, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're not getting me to serve someone underage, are you? We were like, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. He is over 18. He is over 18. So Freddie comes back to the table and oh, goes, no. and goes, what was that about? And I can't, I don't know who said this. <sighs> I actually don't... I wasn't there for this. I wish I had been. And one of the boys said, she was asking if you work out. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's amazing. So... That's so good. His little egotistical brain didn't question that even a little bit. Not she was asking if you're single. Not she was asking for your number. It was she was asking if you work out. Like, we don't do that. We don't go up to their friends and say, does he work out? Anyway, so Freddie... They, the boys then just watch him humiliate himself. He goes over to the bar and he like leans against it and Ugh. starts and starts like lifting up Gross. his t-shirt to show his abs and That's kind horrible. of and kind of goes, yeah, I do work out. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? I thought you were I underage. Thought you, I thought you were a child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. I know, I know. Look, bartending I, can I, be I, hilarious. I'm sorry, I, I, I thought you were a child. <laughs> yeah, I was making sure you were old enough to be here, little boy. Go sit the fun oh, down. <laughs> little boy. Pat, pat, pat. Yeah. I've had some great times bartending. I'm oh, not going to lie. I'm Law trying like... to think of some that are podcast Oh, oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. So there was when I was working at the Carvery, the first time, because I actually went back there when I didn't have a job for a while. But the first time I worked there, and so this is when I'm 18, 19, um, it was quite a quiet day in the bar but quite a busy day in the restaurant. So I just helped out. I wasn't really doing it for, I wasn't really thinking, but I just, because the bar was empty and there was only one waiter, I helped reset his tables and mm. let and took some payments and just, just helped him out. And so he, really funny guy, Northern as the day is long, right? His name was Rob. And he was like, right, was Rob, hey? after, after we close today, I'm buying you a drink. And I was like, all right, then great. And there was, there was a pub up the road 
that was like our all the bartenders were mates so we would when we closed we would go up to there they would let us in then they would close and we'd all have a drink together that was our little thing right it was such a great summer that summer when when you're 18 bar work can be great when you're not Mm. actually worried about how much you're earning and this that the other it was such a fun summer i shit you not you're not going to believe me when i say this but i will swear on anything one of the bartenders was a greek guy called mario another bartender was italian and called luigi you could not write this it was brilliant so yeah we'd, we'd go up the road to the mitre and we'd all have a little lock-in together so rob rob right he finishes before me because the bar stays open a bit later so he gets everything finished he goes up to the mitre i say i'll be there once i've closed mate so i go up once i close and i can see him like really seriously like full pelt running towards the carvery and i go what's up mate and he goes um it's last orders what do you want And I go, right, I'll get a vodka and lemonade. And I remember him going, I'm getting you two doubles. So me and Rob get fucked. (laughs) This isn't a romantic story. He was like in his 30s but we he just became a bit of a big brother there was another mate called victor who used to work there does didn't anymore but kind of would hang around and we'd all go out for a drink he was part of the crew so we all went there got a bit drunk went back to mario and luigi's house i swear to you oh no luigi didn't live with them but we went back to mario's house and we all had it was just one of those weirdly hilarious drunk nights rob vanished and found a kilt and came back with it on we did the time warp because i always do the time warp when i've been drinking and then i was like oh can can you walk me home victor because victor and i were quite good mates and our little deal was if i drink he walks me home if i don't drink i drive him home that was our little deal so he goes to walk me home and Rob goes, oh, where do you live? And I tell him and he goes, oh, you're going to go past mine. So I'll walk with you. And we had one of those nights where we just didn't go home and we just bought more drinks uh, and sat on the sides of pavements. Nice. And, and we literally Classic. ended up like watching the sunrise. It was such a beautiful, like Aww. young, one of your first all nighters. And I remember I actually wanted to invite them in for, to make some breakfast, but my mum had actually had surgery not too long before at the time. Right. So I, I kind of made the offer and then went, oh, sorry, guys. I kind of, it was seven in the morning. I, was, I don't want to do that to my mum right now. She's recovering from surgery. She's fine, by the way. But um, That's good. But yeah, so I remember they walked me home and I remember putting the key in the door so quietly. And as I got into bed, like the moment the duvet went over my head, I heard my dad's alarm go off for work the next morning. Oh, I was like, yes, awful. I got away with it. They don't know how late I got home. <laughs> it was a you brilliant night. Oh, brought a sharp bride. Oh, I'm, I'm all refreshed, ready to bring on the day. Yep. Well, yeah, bless him. He got home from work and he said, I'm really sorry I didn't wait up for you. I was like, dad, it's it's best you didn't wait up for me that <laughs> night. I like, cause I got home late, oh, and, my but I'm fine. It was a great night. Did you have fun in the snow? Did you did you enjoy your snow I did. day? I I I I went out. I grabbed some snow and I threw it at my brother. Perfect. Um, so that was nice. Perfect. And my parents were doing a family quiz, so I threw it at the window. You know? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! There's you a know? video um, of us out in the snow. Uh, my boyfriend, he when he makes a snowball, he like packs it. I let it stay fluffy. He packs it and turns no, it into a pack rock. It. But then it hurts more. Pack it. And then he got me right in the yeah. kneecap, and it goes. Dump. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. He should Fuck be inflicting you. pain upon you. Yeah. Clearly. Oh. Um, no, no, if you don't pack it, then it goes all crap and it flutters out like a fart in the wind. 
Yeah, like a fart in the wind. But that's it's not meant to like hurt. A fart in the I wind. really wanted to start a snowball fight with like another household because it's a block of flats. But we, Jay, but we realised that we can't. Amazing. That we can't. Oh yeah, because you know COVID. Yeah, but I think the and, snow. Uh, the I think I think when we when we finish this all up, we should all go paintballing. I love paintballing. Oh, sign oh, good, me up. Oh, good, because I actually really do. I, I really want to go paintballing. Oh, oh let's really, do really it. I really want to go airsofting. I've been playing that since I was about I'm not 14. Being funny. In paintballing, you have to stay three metres away from each other anyway. Except for that one time someone walked up behind me and shot me in the back of the neck. That was fun, Ooh, wasn't it, Amber? Right that's... right on the bare bit of skin, back of the neck. That was red for days. I remember um, we a load of us were paintballing and we were like behind some kind of like bushy area and we know there's someone on the other side of that bush so we're all there like what do we do what do we do and one guy kind of went in and I just hear him go around the corner and I hear loads of bullets get fired and a voice kind of go three meters you prick because <laughs> he clearly got really close and just like capped him like crazy oh man uh, or I, I my mate shot stuff. me when I was out I did the hands up thing this wasn't paintballing right it was paintballing and he I was shot out, me my mate shot me he shot me in the leg and it was the only proper injury i got i was quite good at dodging and ducking and diving and dipping and dodging dodge dump dip dive something and dodge. and dodge but then as i was out i got that I, he made like a perfect little circle on the side of my leg and then came up to me afterwards really proud of himself he was like that was me by the way <laughs> <laughs> anyway amber i think that's enough from yeah, me and you today. I think that's enough from us. We've talked People long need enough. People need to get on with their lives. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, you guys. As always, if you want to get in touch, it's riffsandscripts at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Boo! Take care. Recording and a three, two, one. Hello, Hello. everybody. Oh, Carl. <laughs> Ruin that. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Start again. <laughs>